Today, we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, reading at verse 16. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, as for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? And then chapter 4. Again, I looked and I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. What do you escape from? Maybe it would be better to ask, if you could escape from something, what would it be? Some people go on vacation to make memories. Some people go on vacation to escape the responsibilities of their daily lives. I know that I like to go away once a year with my wife somewhere warm and sunny and beautiful to relax. Or I like to go once a year to a remote lake, sit in a boat and fish. And what I like best about those trips is no cell phone service. No texts, no internet, no emails, and no news. But I don't like, what I don't like about those trips is coming back to read about all the horrible things that happened to people while I was having fun in the sun. It's part of my job to listen to and love people through tough times. Every week, someone else is in the hospital. Every month, someone else is diagnosed with cancer. Every month, there is another tragedy in the world, and I read about it or hear about it in the news. Every few months, someone dies that I know. Every year, there is another marriage that is falling apart or someone so depressed that they want to commit suicide 
and I hear about all of these people that I know and love. And while I was having fun, the bad news of oppression, injury, injustice, pain, suffering, and misery, sometimes even death, keeps happening. And part of my job is helping people deal with death and separation and sadness and tragedy. I am glad to help and I want to help, don't get me wrong. But I cannot help yearning for a day when there will be no more injustice and no more bad news. In this life, we may think we can escape bad news for maybe a week or two, but it keeps happening. Today, we know more information than ever, which means we know for sure that the world is an evil place. This is the sad sentiment of Solomon in Ecclesiastes. He's looking back on his full life, probably from a perspective of great blessing and affluence. Yet as a king overlooks his kingdom, he's well aware of the tragedies and heartaches of his people. And it pains him. And I think we all can understand that because we all mourn and hurt when we hear about loved ones in particular, people we know that are going through difficulties. Evil happens in the world and in the pursuit of justice, people take their case to court. The only problem is that sometimes the courts are corrupt. Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 3.16. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. To be sure, there are good cops, good lawyers, good laws, and good judges. But there are also bad cops, bad lawyers, bad laws, and bad judges and governments that make bad policies. Unfortunately, the bad guys seem too often to find a way around the system to get what they want so that corruption is covered by more corruption. This is the reality of life under the sun. And what makes matters even worse, we seldom even know all the facts or exactly what happened in various circumstances. Proverbs 18.17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Sometimes, if not oftentimes, we, we are rushing into conclusions about things we know very little about. This rushing to conclusions is an epidemic in our society. The only hope for any justice leads us to long for the day that God holds court. If there is no good God who sees and knows all and judges justly in the end, then there is truly no hope for justice in this world. All we are left with is social Darwinism. Might makes right, the fittest survive. And the rest of us just get to be the human shields here to stop the bullets from getting to the powerful. We're all just a bunch of animals. 
Ecclesiastes 3.18 I also thought, as for men, God tests them, so that they may see that they are like the animals. And apart from God, that is exactly what we are, and no more. I mean, God made us in his image. We decided we want to do things our way. And so we now act like animals. Remember Genesis 3.19, dust you are, and to dust you shall return, just like the animals. Ecclesiastes 3.19-20, to 20. man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so does the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Ecclesiastes 3.17 I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. So after continually wandering and speculating in Ecclesiastes, this statement from Solomon about God's final judgment feels like he has finally dropped the anchor it's a major theme of the book, Future Judgment. And it points us to the day of judgment when God punished his son Jesus for the sins of the world. And also it points us to the great white throne judgment day that is to come near the end of the book of Revelations, it's described, where everyone who does not know Jesus is once and for all judged and sentenced to their fate in hell. Now we should pause here to review the many false views of the afterlife which contradict the Bible's teaching about the kingdom. While each could merit more lengthy study and verses, for the purpose of brevity I will explain each very briefly. First one, universalism. It teaches that in the end everyone will wind up in heaven forever and that no one will spend eternity in hell. And then there is also... Annihilationism teaches that no one will spend forever in hell, as in the end they will simply cease to exist at some point following death. To refute those two beliefs, Daniel 12 verse 2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Simply, Daniel says that Christians will be in heaven just as long as non-Christians will be in hell forever. Furthermore, Jesus speaks of hell more than anyone else in the Bible and is clear that not everyone will be saved when speaking of the eternal life he offers. He says it's a narrow path on which few travel and a narrow gate through which few pass. Both reincarnation and purgatory say that there is further opportunity for salvation following death. Not in this Bible. Hebrews 9.27 refutes both possibilities saying, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Soul sleep is the teaching that 
Following death, our body and soul both lie dormant until the resurrection of the dead. Philippians chapter 1, 21 to 23 refutes this by saying, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. And of course, you remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. Lastly, perhaps the most commonly held false view of the afterlife is that we will never again occupy physical bodies and live a physical existence. This is perhaps most common seen as cartoon pictures of heaven where people sit around on cottony clouds in diapers with little wings strumming little harps, or it might be portrayed in the movies as disembodied spirits of loved ones floating around, occupying some of our beloved dwellings. The Bible teaches that we are both material body and immaterial soul that are united in this life. Remember, God went to the trouble of creating us and forming us physically. That's important. For Christians following death, the body and soul are separated so that while our bodies rest in the grave, our soul goes to be with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. One day the body and soul of Christians will be rejoined upon our resurrection, patterned after Jesus' resurrection. You can read all about that in 1 Corinthians 15. For non-Christians following this life, their body rests in the grave while their soul goes to a place of just punishment, often referred to as Hades, where conscious eternal torment is experienced until their body and soul are joined to final for final sentencing into the endless pain of hell. Revelations 20 verse 13 to 15 says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus speaks of the fact that all people will rise for a physical eternal life in John chapter 5, 25 to 29. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Often justice does not come in this life and people die without justice. This is a frustrating reality 
as Solomon says. He did not live on this side of the resurrection of Jesus, so he struggled to see how justice and fairness could be brought about in this world. I mean, if you spend any time with children, you'll hear one phrase repeatedly, that's not fair, that's not fair. Kids made in God's image with a conscience, just know that when someone takes your toy and hits you over the head with it or wipes their nose on your dessert, that a cosmic law established for all eternity has been clearly violated. It's just not fair. But as we get older, we stop saying, that's not fair, and instead start saying, life's not fair. That's interesting. We stop appealing to some higher cosmic law and just settle into the reality that life is a wood chipper and we are just another log. Wanting the injustice to stop, what do we do? We come together as societies and nations and communities and we organize in such a way that we can bring about some measure of justice in this world. I mean, that's why we have laws. That's why we have elected officials. That's why we have police officers. That's why we have jails. That's why we have wars. That's, that's why we have the threat of retribution. If nothing else, we at least impose a fine to try and keep, keep people in some sense of order, knowing that without any threat of justice, literally all hell will break loose. Unfortunately, systems and institutions, the means by which we try to restrain evil, are a failure because the system is only as good as the person who is in charge of implementing its policies and procedures. Sinners don't bring about ultimate justice upon sinners, do they? We can't. We're imperfect. We're flawed. Sometimes we might even have mixed motives and selfish intentions. That's why none of us believes that all of the criminals are actually in jail and all the innocent people are on the street. And that's what this section of Ecclesiastes reminds us of. The truth is we have a love-hate relationship with justice. When someone sins against us and we are the victim, we want justice. But as good hypocrites, when we sin against someone and they are the victim, we want mercy shown to us. And because of this tendency, what invariably happens is that justice keeps getting left out by the system. So looking at it from under the sun or from the world's perspective without revelation from God, it seems like we're no better than the animals. Animals stalk and devour one another, then they die and it's all over. Any honest person would have an easier time believing in devolution than evolution, that the evolutionary chart in school was in the wrong order and we're on our way to becoming apes with a thumb and Wi-Fi and a driver's license. Solomon's point is that since no one comes back from the dead to prove that there is anything like a final judgment or eternal state, 
we are left to fend for ourselves and just roll the dice. Thankfully, the Lord Jesus solved this problem for us. Think about it. He came back from death to prove to us that there is life after death, that sin and death are not the final word, that it's not just dust to dust, and that there is a new world coming on the other side of death because of the justice of God at the cross of Jesus Christ. In, conclu in conclusion, Solomon says that death is for the believer a great relief because one day life comes to an end and we don't have to read the news. We don't have to hear the horror stories or comfort the victims anymore. One day we won't scar anyone and they won't scar us any longer. In the meantime, Solomon says that there are two things we can do as we exit the burning building called Earth. One, we can comfort the oppressed. That's in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 1. Again I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. Sometimes people don't need an answer. They just need a friend. There are miseries in this life that we cannot explain or change. And we just need someone to sit with us for a season of grieving and healing because the only thing worse than suffering is doing so alone. This is what we sometimes call the ministry of presence. After a hard time or trial, people are able to say, you are there for me when we comforted them. The second thing he suggests, we can grab life with both hands and grab those opportunities for joy that God affords us in this life. Ecclesiastes 3.22 So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? The Bible is a most honest book and it honestly urges us to find the joy that God provides along the way home. After the final judgment, when all is said and done, every tear has been wiped from every eye, every ember of evil has been extinguished, and the kingdom of God in all its glory is unveiled, there will be nothing but peace, joy, and love. For the people of God, the kingdom, this kingdom, reality, this ultimate rule and reign of God begins already internally through the Holy Spirit's work, the moment we meet Jesus. And it continues externally as we experience God ruling moments in our life. And it continues 
eternally in the presence of our judge, the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross in our place for our sins to defeat our rebellion with his wonderful redemption. The only two things that go with us into the kingdom of heaven are people and memories. Therefore, comfort people and make memories as we wait for Jesus to sort everything out in the end and bring about his final judgment. We are believers and all we are really doing is just walking each other home. Amen.